praised. Amen. That's a good thing to say after that, isn't it? Amen. Well, how are we doing, church? Just a little bit of calm in here now. The kids are all gone. They were well behaved. I was expecting a few more sugar highs. What's going on? Parents not feed kids chocolate on Easter Sunday anymore? Our kids actually had breakfast before. Yeah, I know. What? I was ready to eat Easter eggs and they were... Still am. Don't mind if I do. Let me just eat this while I'm preaching and you can listen to me. I'll just put it on a little bit. Hey, why don't we thank our music team? Thank you guys. Feel free to take an Easter egg on your way past. You walk from that side to this side. Here we go, there's a couple there as well. Watch your eyes. If you've got glasses, you might want to put them on because there might be a few coming. Jesse, there's always one. good there right Easter it is a fun time I love it and uh, you know we can just make Easter a little too serious sometimes it's an incredible thing that Jesus did Good Friday and to pay respect is not really the right way that I'm trying to say it but to do Easter right I think we've got to have fun to do Easter right, we've, we've got to be celebrating. Yes. To do Easter right, we've got to be filled with joy. Because yes. he didn't come to take our joy, did he? No, no. Jesus didn't come and die on the cross on Good Friday to take our joy. He came to take our sin so that we could be filled with joy. Yes. And so we've got to have some fun <laughs> and enjoy life. Because if I'm going to get through this whole thing, I reckon, no, I won't. But if we're not having fun, I took this just so Kelsey didn't need it. She doesn't need a big egg. But I was thinking about it during the week about, well, what, what, do, we, what do we have? Because we, you know, growing up, I remember growing up, going camping Easter. And we'd all build our little, we camp on the side of the river and we'd all build our little nests so that when we went to sleep, Easter Bunny could come skipping through the trees along the side of the river and put little Easter eggs in our little nests that we'd made. And bunnies and eggs don't really go together, right? <laughs> I just worked this out this week. <laughs> My mind was blown. That they don't. Oh, there you go, Rosie. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you got to catch it. It's chocolate. You've missed out now. Someone else is going to get that. This is like the when you watch baseball. <laughs> but <clears throat> what was I saying until Rosie? Distracted me. Bunnies and eggs. 
But you know, at the same time, they do go. There's one down here. Oh, Dossie, be quick. See, it all started way back in, in the day, before it was even a Christian tradition, in Germany. So it's kind of fitting that we do Easter Bunny in Handorf, right? But the rabbits were, the bunnies were associated with new life. Because rabbits love to bring new life, right? We all know the sayings. Some of us here, Samuel, Kimberly, get it more than others. But we, sorry, that was pointed. A little bit rude if you're visiting. Samuel and Kimberly are expecting number five soon. So it was a little bit, a little bit of a pointed barb, that one. And they'll leave the church over it or hit me later. So, but, but it started there. And so it was, the rabbit was a, a symbol of spring and fertility. And then the eggs are this symbol of new life symbol of rebirth and so that's where we've started and then you add in the fact that we've got solid eggs and hollow eggs and there's this deal in there with with how that looks but but I think it's important to not just teach our kids that we just eat chocolate easter eggs but we there's actually a reason that we have eggs there there is a reason for the Easter Bunny. Might have taken us a few years. Might have been today that you worked out why the Easter Bunny was, or it might have, you might have already worked out why the Easter Bunny is. I'm going to leave them there, and if anybody's game enough, feel free to come and just grab one. Someone's got to start. Might as well be you, Emily. <clears throat> but John 20... Oh, come on, Kirby. Get out of your seat and come do it. John 20... <clears throat> Uh, early on the first day of the week while it was still dark Mary went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple the one Jesus loved and said they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the stripes, or strips, sorry, of linen lying there, but did not go in. He won the race, he got there first, but he stood at the door and looked. The shock would have been pretty real, right? See, we read this knowing, we read Good Friday knowing what's happened because it's part of history. But, but there's this moment here where you get to the door and imagine the emotions. Imagine what would have been going through their heads. But this was meant to happen, but now it's, it's not looking like it was meant to happen. Even though they knew how it was going to happen, they, they didn't click on. Because it's all raw and it's all real and it's all happening right then in real time. 
Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the team first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. We read that so quickly as if it was just, just happened. I didn't end up looking up, but, but I wonder how long that time frame was. I can imagine it wasn't just like we just read it now, but I can imagine it would have been sometime, sometime standing there just outside the tomb, just trying to take it all in. Sometime they're standing there just staring at the strips of linen. <clears throat> the tomb is empty. The number one thing to remember at Easter, the tomb is empty. And that's a good thing. And that's good news. That's the best news. Because Jesus has risen. Amen. We read on through John 20 and get to verse 24. And now Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples, and so Jesus has come. So just a little infill there. Jesus has come and spoken to the other disciples. But Thomas wasn't there. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. You know what I want to say today, and I'm believing this is going to set someone free. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to not believe. It's okay to, to be a little bit slow to just get your head around, to grapple with, to wrestle with what's happened, with what's happening. And I'm not just talking about Jesus' resurrection. I'm talking about things in your life, things, in, things that you're going through at the moment. You might be facing a, a big decision or something might have just happened that's just gone and just turned your world upside down. It's okay. It's okay to not be okay with that. It's okay to just take some time, take a moment. It took Thomas a week before he started believing and he was living with Jesus. He was hanging out with the disciples who had been believing because they'd seen Jesus. But Thomas just took this little bit of extra time and, and that's okay. It's okay to, to just go on the journey. 
to process, to work through what it looks like. And the other side of that is don't just, don't just go through just continuing to not believe, but, but ask God this morning as we're in church, Easter Sunday, ask him, reveal yourself to me. Show me. Show me. Because Thomas, Thomas went, until I see the nails, I want to see Jesus. I want to touch Jesus. I want to experience it for myself. And then it clicked. Jesus then goes on to say, obviously, what I just read about. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. And so there's, there's something in that as well. But, but what I really want to say to you this morning is it's okay to be a little slow in the nicest way possible. Because I can be really slow to get stuff at times. I can be really slow to, to work through the process. I can be slow to, to believe. I shared back at the start of the year and I've shared over the, over the years about my ongoing knee issues and just things that are happening there and standing on prayer lines and people around me getting healed and me just still limping through life in pain with my knee going. And so for one, of them, one of these moments for me is I just constantly in a battle in my head of I believe, but I don't believe. I believe that I can be healed. I believe that other people can be healed because I've seen Jesus do it in my life. I've seen Jesus do it in other people's lives. But, but for some reason, I don't get why. I don't understand why Thomas didn't just believe because he'd been with Jesus. Why would you not believe? I don't understand why I've still got this click and pain in my knee Why I wake up in the middle of the night still in pain. I don't understand. There's this doubt in my head that it'll ever get healed. And I've had to grapple with, you know what, that's actually okay. That's actually okay to go through life with something as long as we continue to put our trust in him. As long as we don't let this, see I don't let this stop me from believing God for miracles. I don't let this stop me from believing that when I pray for someone else's need, God's going to heal them. It doesn't stop me coming and standing and getting prayer for my knee over and over and over again. It doesn't stop me from praying for someone's finances or praying for someone else's issue. It's like, no, there's just, there's just this wrestle. There's this thing on the inside called reality that, you know what, sometimes it takes a little longer for some of us than it does for others. And it's okay. Be okay with that. It's okay to doubt. It's okay. But don't let it stop you pushing in. Thomas continued to push in. He didn't just go, well, I, was, I missed out. Jesus didn't wait for me. All right, I'm done with him. And then walked off. No, he continued to push in. He continued to wait. And so whatever you're going through, whatever you're doing today, push into him. You've come to church for a reason. 
You've come to church because you're visiting the Adelaide Hills. You're visiting family. You've come to church because it's Easter and that's what you do at Easter. You've come to church because you're here every Sunday. It's whatever the reason you've come to church. I'm believing that you've come to church for a purpose more than just I'm doing my Easter thing. I'm believing this morning that Jesus is going to reveal his hands. He's going to have a moment with you and go, you know what? Touch my side. It's real. Touch my side. I'm real. And that you're going to get set free from something this morning as we go through. Or maybe this morning you've already had your moment and that's awesome. We then read on early in the morning. We're skipping through to John 21. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Isn't that a bad day? Spend all that time, effort. The answer is no. There's nothing more frustrating than a day on the water. And not catching fish. And so Jesus says, throw your net on the right side. They were on the wrong side. Throw it on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Jesus' true friends were fishermen. So go fishing. That's my message there. All right, no one's coming to get these eggs. Sacked. All right, so I'm just going to put them right here. And just to help you out, duck for cover, help yourself to some eggs, because otherwise I'm going to get to work this week and then I'm going to have to eat them. So help a brother out and eat some eggs. Have some fun. So early in the morning, Jesus, the, the disciples have gone back to their life. They've gone back to doing what they know. They're, they're back fishing. All right? And Jesus comes and meets them where they're at. Jesus comes in and, and meets them where they're at, doing what they're doing, speaks their language. Jesus is going to speak your language. Jesus is going to meet you where you're at, doing what you're doing. He doesn't come and speak to you as a mechanic when you're a fisherman because fishermen don't understand mechanical terms and mechanics don't understand fishing terms. He meets you where you're at. And so if you're an engineer, I'm believing Jesus is going to, I don't know how, what engineers say, weird stuff. Jesus is going to speak in weird stuff to you. I don't get engineering, okay? but I get, I do get fishing. And so it has spreadsheet. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something where, how Jesus could speak to you in a spreadsheet. It might actually work. That could be where, how he speaks to you in a spreadsheet. I don't know. But, but it's, it's like I completely, that story there makes complete sense to me. Because I've been fishing enough to know that literally, and this happened last time I was fishing, we were out fishing for a couple of days. And, well, in a row, not just overnighters, but, <clears throat> but we're out fishing and on the first day, I'm fishing this side of the boat, Dad's fishing that side of the boat. We've got a motor in the middle, that's it. 
Alright, so literally I'm standing here, he's standing there. We're in the same sandy hole fishing for whiting. Alright, I'm standing here going out to about that pillar and I'm catching fish. He's standing there trying to, he started off at that pillar and he's slowly coming around, getting closer and closer and closer <laughs> to where I'm fishing. He's getting nothing. He's getting nothing. He's getting nothing. He's getting nothing. Lands here. Same sandy hole. But he's getting nothing until he's in the spot. And then we're both catching fish. And then we come out the next day and dad's standing here. Because right, he jags this way and he's scared that he's going to hit someone. And I stand this side because I jag that way. And if we stand on the other side, we jag into each other and break our fishing rods. So we've got our spots. But then the next day, I'm fishing here, exactly the same spot. We can see the bottom. We know we can see the weed banks. We can see everything. It's a really clear day. I'm fishing in the exact same spot. Dad starts off in the exact same spot. He's catching fish. He's catching fish over here, but, but I'm over here where we were catching them yesterday. There's no fish. I've got nothing. He had five fish in the boat before I got bites. So what did I do? As soon as he got a fish, I ducked around behind him and started fishing here, started catching fish. So this story, where it's you're on the wrong side of the boat, cast your net out the other side, makes perfect sense to me because I understand fishing. But if you don't understand fishing, that's going to mean nothing to you. You just go, well, what difference does it make casting out? A lot. A lot. And you know the most frustrating thing? Is when you then cross sides and then he says, oh, well, I'll go that side. And then he gets to fish that side. It's like, not that we're competitive at all when we're fishing. <clears throat> oh, I'm not a competitive person, so it doesn't bother me. But uh, I do now have the record. I think I've said it from here before. I do now have, I do now have the boat record for uh, King George Whiting. So not competitive at all. But, <clears throat> but it feels good. Um, so do what you do. Do what you do. Don't do what someone else is doing. If you're an engineer, do engineering. If you're a fisherman, do fishing. If you're, what else are people? <laughs> Engineers and fishermen, right? That's, that's enough of a contrast. I was trying to think of something more of a contrast, but I think engineering to fishing, I think engineering to fishing, well, teachers just go on holidays. You guys have got heaps of time to go fishing. <laughs> so whatever you do, uh, open yourself up to that one every week. I love it. Just because their reaction is so good every single time, right, Julie? How many days of school you got left? Three and then on holidays again? Oh, it must be nice. No, I do love our teachers. I love staring them more than I love them, but I think that <laughs> it is just so easy. But whatever you do, I was trying to think of like contrasting things, not just lots of professions, but I think engineering to fishing kind of covers a fair bit of basis because you need to be really smart to be an engineer. Fishing, pretty simple. And, uh, and so I'll just... Leave it at that. But wherever you, whatever you do on the scale of engineering to fishing, or if you've got something more that way than engineering and more that way than fishing, you work that out for yourself. But do what you do. 
And I'm believing that Jesus isn't going to come and speak fishing to an engineer. He's not going to come and speak engineering to a fisherman. He's going to speak to you in a language that you understand. We get to that when we get to the book of Acts and when we're reading through this Bible reading plan over the next 50 days and people were speaking in tongues, but to them it didn't sound like tongues. To them it sounded like their own language. Because he doesn't come and speak gibberish to you. He comes and speaks your language because you know him and he knows you. And so go fishing or turn fishing into whatever works for you. Go and mow the lawn. Go and do whatever you need to do. But I love this changing, changing from the book of John. I didn't give this scripture to the guys at the back. Don't know why, I just didn't. But finishing with this as the team come. Luke 24, in the Passion Translation, everything that has happened fulfills what the scripture prophesied of me. This is Jesus speaking. Everything that's happened, everything that's happened fulfills what the scriptures prophesied of me. The Messiah was destined to suffer. Good Friday. We remember that Jesus died on the cross, the brutality of how that looked, the brutality of what Jesus went through. Something that just, every Easter, I think as I get older, every Easter, it becomes more brutal and more of a reality in me about what Jesus went through. But he didn't do it for no reason. He didn't go through that just because he didn't go through that just because it was prophesied he went through that he hung on the cross for me he hung on the cross for you he hung on the cross for the engineers he hung on the cross for the fishermen he hung on the cross for every one of us from the youngest to the oldest Messiah was destined to suffer and rise from the dead. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. When you're eating your kids' Easter eggs later in the week because they haven't finished them and you've run out of self-control. When you're eating their eggs because they save the big ones to last and you're sneaking it, remember that the tomb is empty. He's risen. He's risen so that, so that not only did He die for our sins, so that not only did He die for each one of us so that we could live and spend eternity with Him, so that not only could we do that when we die and when we get to heaven, but He did that so that He could come again. And on the third day, He rose so that He could live with us now and into eternity. But then I love this, and this is the charge for us this morning. This is the charge for each one of us at Easter. Jesus says, now you must go into all the nations and preach repentance and forgiveness of sins so that they will turn to me 
Start right here in Jerusalem. Contextualize that. We've got engineers, we've got fishermen. I don't live in Jerusalem. I don't know where you live. You might have come from Jerusalem to spend Easter with us, but wherever you live, start there, is what this is saying. It's not saying, oh, but I'll never get to Jerusalem. No, start where you're at. And so if you live in Mount Barker and you work wherever you work, start there. If you live in Adelaide and you work where you work, start there. If you live in Lobethal and, and that's your home and your work is you're a parent and you're spending time at the school and you're, you're hanging out with your kids and they're hanging out with the parents while you're at kids' sport and you're, you're doing this and you start there. We don't need to try and dream up some massive idea of, oh, I'm going to get this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to speak to my whole workplace and I'm going to have a bus and I'm going to bring people in and I've got this dream to do all these massive, big, amazing. No, just start when you're standing at the photocopier this week in the office. When you're going and you're standing in the queue to get a coffee on your break with your work colleagues, start there. And instead of just going, how's your week? How was your weekend? What did you do for Easter? Oh, nothing. Not much. Just stayed home. Kids run amok. Ate heaps of Easter eggs. That was all right. It's like there's an opportunity to speak your speak, to speak your language, to speak to the fishermen, to speak to the engineers in their language so that they understand. Because guess what? You're in your neighbourhood. You're in your workplace and so you can speak teacher speak. You can speak carpenter speak. You can speak whatever it is that you're speaking because you're in your context. If I come into your context, I speak like a fisherman. That's no good for an engineer. So don't wait for me to come and speak to your friends. Don't wait for me to come and speak to your family. You do it. Because that's what we've been called to do. Now you must go into all the nations and preach repentance and forgiveness of sins so that they will turn to me. Start right here. Father, I pray for every one of us this morning. God, I pray first and foremost that you would meet us where we're at. God, I thank you that, that we don't need to wait. We don't need to jump through hoops. We don't need to go through a process, but right here in this place this morning, God, you can speak to each one of us. You can reveal yourself to each one of us. Holy Spirit, I pray. Father, whatever we've come looking for this morning, whatever the reason is that we've come to church this Easter Sunday, Father, I pray that you would reveal yourself to us. And God, I thank you that it's not just for us. It's not just for me. You don't reveal yourself to me for me. You reveal yourself to me so that I can go. So that I can share the good news with my family, with my friends, with my colleagues, with those around me. 
And so, God, I pray that you would put something fresh on the inside of each one of us to go, to start right here. If you haven't started, if you haven't heard the the call to repent and forgive, to repent and be forgiven, I want to give you an opportunity right now to pray a prayer, to invite Jesus into your heart, to start living life with Him. It's the most incredible thing you could do on an Easter Sunday. Start walking with Him. It's the simplest of simple prayers. Basically saying, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me for living life my own way. God, I'm thankful for the cross. I thank you that you died on it and that you rose again. Father, come and live in my heart. Help me to live for you all my days. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, I'd love to shake your hand. I'd love to pray with you at the end of this meeting. With every eye closed, every head bowed in this place, I wanna ask if if you haven't prayed that prayer and you're saying, John, that's me, I wanna do that today. I'd love you to just slip your hand up where you are. Not so that there's nothing special about slipping your hand up other than so I can see and I can come and pray with you after. Is there anyone this morning that says, John, that's me. I want to pray that prayer. I want to pray with you this morning. I want to get my life right with Jesus so that I can live with Him and for Him. Father, I pray that you bless every person here. God, as we head out into the week, help us to be bold, help us to be brave, to be strong and courageous, sharing the good news that you are not in the tomb, but your tomb is empty, you are risen. Father, help us to see what you see in other people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll go and have an incredible week.